the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, and today is Friday, and you know what that means? Open Line Friday. And uh, it's great to be here on Open Line Friday. That means you can call in about any subject. I got things I'm going to bring to the table for us to talk about. In fact, I'm going to talk about doubt. Do you doubt? Uh, do you have doubts? Doubts about your faith? Maybe there's something that, you know, deep down it creates that. Science, maybe, or gender stuff, the conversations that are going on. You know, did God, did God really create them male and female in his image? Or is that just a uh, Western construct? Should uh, biological women be allowed to go in a boxing ring with a biological male? That question is uh, being asked and discussed in the news today. But how is this affecting you is one of the questions I have about doubt. Maybe there's just something else related to doubt and you want to talk about it. Well, today's a great day for that. You can call 888-528-2557. Anything that's on your mind, you can call and change the subject on Fridays, 888 528 2557. You can remember it. It's 888-LA-TALKS, 888-LA-TALKS. And um, we will change the subject just for you. You can also send me an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right. So I hope you are having a good Friday. Do you, you know, I think that everybody struggles with doubt, okay? I've had moments of doubt. Even as a pastor, there have been times where I have dealt with doubt, Okay, and I've had to wrestle through some things. And sometimes, you know, for me, it comes when, you know, somebody brings something new to the table about their doubts, and I have to go wrestle with that, too. It's uh, not something that just suddenly uh, hits me, and then uh, I I just have the answer for necessarily. We deal with that. Can I just give you a Bible verse real quick to encourage you? Um, And this is one of my favorite passages. In Mark chapter 9, there's a guy whose uh, son is ill, and he brings him to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus asked, he's he's demon-possessed, and Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or wanted to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says to him, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Then Jesus heals the son. I love that that verse right there. I think it's something that we should take to heart if we're dealing with some some doubt. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. See, he believed. He believed enough that his actions said, "I'm going to take my kid to Jesus." If anyone can heal him, it's Jesus. Now, the if part is where that doubt is. You know, Jesus says, "What do you mean if?" That's what Jesus said. I don't know how he said it in Hebrew or Aramaic. However, he was saying it. But what do you mean if? Everything is possible. He doesn't say everything is guaranteed, by the way. Everything is possible for one who believes. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
as we talk about the subject, as you think about calling in and maybe sharing something that maybe you're dealing with, or maybe it's a friend of yours, maybe it's your kid or your parents, and they're dealing with something that you want to talk about. Today's a great day for that, and we'll talk about whatever. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I think that we're, being, that we're doubting a lot today in many ways because we're being taught something completely different. What we're being bombarded with from the culture is that there is no truth or that you can have your own truth, and that truth is something that is more about how you feel about it than whether or not you can really be certain about it. And there is a change in the way we are expected to approach things. See, in, the, in, in science, the way science is supposed to work, in, and also just in a, a liberal society. I don't mean liberal like politically left and right. I mean liberal as in a society that seeks to find knowledge, that believes that there is truth, that can be tolerant of different opinions, but not the not to say that everybody's right, that somebody's wrong and somebody's right. That's okay. That what has been and what works, the reason that really we're better off in the world today in most cases from a at least from a a secular standpoint um than we have been you know over 500 years things are better i mean wouldn't you say plumbing is better than it was 500 years ago wouldn't you say that the ability to feed people the ability to treat disease the ability to travel the ability to do amazing it's better okay the the lifespan has increased uh not much beyond what the bible says it's ever going to be but much bigger than it was and the reason is because we lived in a culture that was in a positive way, self-skeptical, that there was some doubt, not doubt in a bad way, but doubt in a way that assumes that I don't just know everything, that I can be missing something, that I can change my thinking, I can grow, I can change my mind, I can take the doubts that I have, and I can learn truth. And even when I'm, even when I'm super confident about something, I can still investigate because I believe I can be deceived. And that's a, that view is being taken away and being replaced with a philosophy that says it's more important to be self-certain and that if you're committed to your own feelings about the truth of something, if you're committed to your own experiences, your own set of whatever it is you bring to the table, then that actually is just as valuable or maybe even more valuable than any questioning you might do to try to find truth. So then you can find your own truth. And I think that has been bombarding us for years through our educational system. So that's why we have generations now of people who aren't really sure what's happening. And I've got some examples I'll share with you in a minute of where this is messing us up and where it's going. I think you can probably think of some of those things yourself. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It is Open Line Friday. I'll take a call on anything. Uh, Richard, welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, Richard? I'm great, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to share a quote with you is, uh, that I, I read somewhere. It's, uh, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. Doubt your doubts okay. before you... That's a good one. Doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. Yes. Do you know I always who, like that one. I do. I like that one. Richard, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And I think that's what this guy does in uh, Mark chapter 9. He doubts his doubts. That's why he still goes to Jesus. If you've got doubts in your faith, have you? do you realize that you can take those doubts to Jesus? He's big enough to handle them. And you might feel like 
you know, how can I bring doubts to Jesus if I'm doubting Jesus? Maybe I doubt that Jesus ever existed. Maybe I doubt that, you know, a lot of people, they doubt, you know, maybe you don't want to say it, but deep down, or maybe you do want to say it, you believe that maybe Jesus can't forgive your sins. Or you think, well, I don't know that Jesus' death was enough to cover my sins. And you know what I find for a lot of us, if you're a Christian, sometimes I I find that we think those things, but we we are afraid to say it around church or church people, maybe for fear of how we might be treated, maybe for fear that uh, you're right, right? What if somebody says, you're right, Jesus loves most people, but not you? <laughs> I think some people feel that way. And... I think that one of the great things we have about the scriptures is it takes us to a place where you have this guy here who doubts but still brings his faith to Jesus Christ. And then the people who you read about who serve the Lord, they feel free to talk about their failures and their doubt. Paul is probably the best of all of those. How many of you who are listening today are murderers of Christians? Raise your hand. Um, probably not too many of you. Some of you maybe. What is something like one out of 350 people are a murderer? Well, that could be you. If you're in a, <laughs> I've always thought about that when I look out at an audience and I go, well, there's 350 people. Somebody here wants me dead. Um, not really. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to call in. 888-528-2557. Paul says in 1 Timothy, and this is at the end of Paul's, his towards the end of his life. In a way, if you read First and Second Timothy, it's like his last words. Like, what is it that he's going to pass on? He's passing these things on to the next generation. And he says, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Jesus, Jesus saw Paul as trustworthy. And this is a guy who was arrogant who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, opposed to Christianity so much that he oversaw the, he thought Christians should be killed. And he oversaw this happening. And Jesus called him into being probably the greatest missionary ever, certainly at that time. He continues, says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Notice that he knows this about himself, that he can be self, that he can examine himself and, and even a person in his position say that I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I just didn't know. I was, I was ignorant. I didn't understand. And I had unbelief. I just didn't believe it. But then he says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. That's pretty powerful. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, he says. That means he's worse than you. But this, for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus may display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immoral, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. This is something that I want to encourage you. So if I talk about doubt today and it's bringing up thoughts about doubt, you should be encouraged that you can take those doubts to the Lord. If you doubt that he forgave you, well, he forgave Paul. 
He forgave a lot of people worse than you. If you doubt that uh, his grace is enough, his grace is poured out. We can talk about that if you'd like to. If you're doubting things because of the culture today, there is an all-on, I would say, onslaught of attack on any belief that might be true. Now, ultimately, and I'll tell you as, as a Christian and what's behind the scenes of all of this, I believe it is spiritual. Whenever you're attacking what is actually true, when there is a philosophical attack, it is an attempt to cause so much doubt in people that they won't turn to the Lord, that they will walk away, or that they were, there would be a situation where people would be afraid. That's something we talked about yesterday, is that there are so many of us who are afraid to speak the truth, not just about religious things, but about all kinds of things in, in the culture, because we're afraid, well, maybe I'm going to be a hater, or maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, or maybe I'm going to get slammed for this. And then we're just silent. And something that we do is inside, in our own minds, we have, a, we have an internal dialogue going a lot of the time, don't we? It is something that Everybody does this, right? We talk to ourselves sometimes. Now, some of you talk to yourself out loud, and uh, you got another problem. You got to get some help. And uh, some of you are talking to yourself out loud, but you're just on the phone. And uh, we really wish that you would do that in private, not while you're sitting next to me at a ball game. It's weird. And a friend of mine, he used to say, I love it that I can uh, talk out loud on the phone because I'm not really on the phone, but people think I'm on the phone, so people don't think I'm crazy anymore. All right, good. What is it that's going on in your head? Do you have those questions? You can call me today or write me. 888-528-2557, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. When we get into the culture and some of the issues that we're dealing with in the current philosophy, see, what is being taught, and this has been taught now, this is being taught to your kids. That's why the school issue is such a huge deal. What is actually philosophically being taught to kids? It used to be that one of the big things that was taught to kids is the golden rule. And that would come from any public school. And they weren't teaching Jesus necessarily, but they were saying, hey, this value is right. Treat others as you would be treated. It's still good. And I suppose you still hear that. But there are other philosophies now that are in the way. And the current philosophy is not one of of any kind of self-skepticism. It's one of self-certain or self-righteousness, if you will. One writer named Helen Pluckrose, she writes that the commitment to always trusting one's feelings rather than trying to be objective or charitable reflects the social justice focus on experiential over objective knowledge. And that is what is being taught as justice today, that basically everybody's right unless you think they're right or wrong. It is a powerful, powerful movement that has been going on. And when we're looking at issues of of gender in the news today are Christian universities that are being sued or they are going to court because people are trying to say you should allow people who identify as women or people who identify as men to live in the men's dorms or the women's dorms. That's happening at multiple colleges across the country. One of the largest, uh, most influential women's schools now. If you are identifying as a woman, you get to go to that school. And this has begun in part because the Biden administration, when it came into office, it took what's called Title IX, which is part of the federal code that is against sex discrimination. 
All right, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's Open Line Friday. You can call me at 888-528-2557 with anything that's on your mind today. We're talking about doubt. You have doubts. Title IX used to mean men and women, but it has been expanded to mean anybody who identifies as a man or a woman. Well, that has consequences. And I don't know if they intended this to have this kind of consequence or if it was just sort of a nod to whatever political base they were trying to reach and made a decision that has real-life consequences. And that decision is serious. That decision is, for, let's say, a Christian college, it means something. It might mean that the school itself is going to be unable to operate unless it follows those rules. It could mean that the school itself might have to allow. Now, this hasn't really happened yet. And that's, I think, part of the other, the other issue here is that a lot of this is just now playing out. And it hasn't officially actually happened, but there are lawsuits trying to make it happen. And we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, one school recently tried this, and um, they got rejected from the court because the court said they didn't have standing yet. And part of it's because it hasn't really happened yet. But it matters a lot. Here's where the rubber hits the road on this. If you're doubting things that are true, reality is persistent. Um, In USA Today, a couple of years ago, I keep the story around because I think it's just really incredible. So this is from 2019, just a couple of years ago, but right before the pandemic. If you think things just suddenly went crazy during the pandemic, well, they kind of did, but it wasn't really sudden. It was going on for a long time. The headline is, nurse mistakes pregnant transgender man as obese, then the man births a stillborn baby. And if you read the story, here's the thing that is maybe most incredible about it. When the man arrived at the hospital, he came into the hospital, the man, in quotes, the person who identifies as a man, with severe abdominal abdominal pains. A nurse didn't consider it an emergency because he's a man. Noting that he was obese and put this down in the notes. Now, keep in mind, this person's chart indicated that he was transgender, that biologically it was a woman. But the nurse felt like she should treat him or treat this person as a man. And so she does. And she writes down that he's obese. He'd stop taking his blood pressure medicines. That's what she writes down and uh, treats him as if he is actually biologically a man and maybe he's got some gas or some indigestion and uh, should go back on his blood pressure medicines and sends him home. But in reality, he was a transgender man, actually a biological woman, in labor, and the pregnancy was going to end in a stillbirth, which it did. This is uh, described in uh, the New England Journal of Medicine. And it deals with how to deal with labels and how to make how to be careful about making assumptions about people. But here's the thing. In she knew that this person was a woman. Any woman who comes in and says, Hey, I'm a woman, that person gets a pregnancy test. In fact, that would probably be the first question, right? Uh, I've got stomach pains and I've got going on and and you say, Are you pregnant? That would be that would be the question. But because he identified as a man, even though the chart said biologically, this is a woman. This nurse felt like, nope, uh, this is a man. We're going to treat him like a man. I don't know. The story doesn't say whether or not the baby could have been saved had this person been treated correctly. What amazes me about this story, though, is it goes into the debate and the debate about 
with in this particular area with gender issues, but also issues uh, with with race or other things where people might identify as one thing when they're really something different. It has to do in medicine with diagnosing diseases properly, such as sickle cell and cystic fibrosis that largely affect specific groups. But if you're identifying as not that group and I can't treat you like that group, then I don't. And if you're identifying as a man, but you're really a woman, if for whatever reason, I'm not allowed to treat you as a woman, even though your, your biology is, this is how crazy it's gotten. How much doubt has this put into our minds as a culture about what is actually true? And when you read this story, here is the most amazing thing. The author from the New England Journal of Medicine, Dr. Daphna Straussma from the University of Michigan, says that the nurse rightly classified this person as a man. Uh, That is incredible to me because the nurse did not rightly classify the person as a man. The nurse got it completely wrong because it was false. But in our world today, we are trying to make that value judgment, the person's feelings, the person who is self-certain, no, I'm really a man, as scientific fact. And then this person was actually mistreated. I mean, this person, you know, I would call this uh, medical malpractice. I mean, shouldn't it be? I don't know anything about whether or not there was a lawsuit or anything like that, but it's got to be malpractice. But what they're saying is, well, maybe it isn't. See, somebody who has healthy self-doubt will investigate. Somebody who has healthy self-doubt will say, you know what, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe there is something more that I can do. And it's okay to do that. If you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, but you're kind of wondering about it, it's all right to ask questions. And something I tell Christians all the time, don't be afraid of the questions you have. Don't be afraid to ask the hard questions you have. Sometimes there's a great answer to those hard questions and you'll be relieved. Sometimes the question is a really good question and sometimes we don't know the answer. Sometimes the answer is is nuanced and we gotta really dig in deep to find it, but you can. And if our faith is true, ontologically actually true, then you don't have to worry about your questions. If our faith is really true, if your faith in Jesus is actually true, Ask away. Ask your questions. Go ahead and do that. You can do that right here on this program today. I'm a pastor and a radio host. You can talk about uh, doubt. That is our subject, but you can call and talk about anything else you would like. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Open line Friday today. There we go. There's our, there's our music. You can call about any subject you want. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. And um, I was just about to go to a call and it went away. Well, you can call back. Uh, Will, I think your name is. Go ahead and call us back. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. You know, it's funny about. Uh, I was talking about doubt, and uh, I think we all doubt. Maybe it's hard to talk about one of those things, but all of us have an internal conversation where there's some doubt. And uh, but there's things going on, and you know, just you ever have one of those uh, warnings come up that say uh, you need to uh, load this software because there's been a security breach that's happening with Apple today. 
And um, I guess you're, if you have an Apple device, you're supposed to uh, download whatever their update is. I don't know what it is, but there's some kind of uh, security thing. And uh, my computer shut down right in the middle of uh, the last segment. So that was fun. You ever click the button and it's and you think to yourself, you know what, I'm gonna, I didn't click the button this time. I just did it. But do you ever think to yourself, oh, yeah, I'll update now. And then it says, you know, updating, and it's like seven hours before you can actually use your computer again. It's horrible. <laughs> you always have to do that. I do that. I try to do that right before going to bed. That way, if I get the seven hours thing, you know, then it'll happen. Uh, as long as I wait to click all of the right buttons so that it goes. You ever do it where you try to update your device, and then you just didn't, you left too soon, and you didn't click the right button, and then you wake up in the morning, and it hasn't done anything because it's waiting for you to click OK. That's annoying. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Uh, as uh, we take a look at um, the world today in doubt, I think one of the reasons that we need to be thinking about this as Christians, and I think we need to attack it in our churches, is we gotta, we got to acknowledge some stuff. Christians, can we do this? Studies say that most Christians don't know most of their Bible. Studies say that most Christians have not read most of their Bible. Like, be honest with yourself. How much of your Bible have you actually read? I get some of it's tough, but most of it's not that bad. There are amazing stories throughout a lot of your Old Testament. And, I mean, just fantastic stories, really good stories. The whole thing, the whole Bible, when you've read all the way through it, is an amazing story, and it's true. And some of it is yet to be. And that's incredible, but we miss a lot. And I think that what we're seeing, in fact, um, yesterday we did this, uh, we talked about how a survey said that people are giving different public answers to surveys than what they privately think. So the same people asked a question in a, in a public survey, what do you think, privately ask, often think something differently than what they said, and that they feel tremendous social pressure to say whatever it is that is either uh, politically correct or whatever they think the audience around you wants you to say, but deep down there's doubts. One of them was the uh, the gender issue, by the way, where 70% said men are men, women are women uh, publicly, but 53% only privately. That's a pretty significant division. I thought that's 17% of people who aren't sure, right? There's all kinds of doubt and, and nuance, and we don't really know what they thought, but I think that part of the reason that there is less certainty is because we spend a lot of time talking about how we feel and how to make life better or more comfortable. Even in the church, we do this. And we aren't doing two things. We aren't really getting into the nitty gritty of what's, what is factual, what really works in the universe, what the Bible teaches. We're also not doing the mission that we're called a lot of the time to go out and really be and help people. I mean, it if you have a lot of doubts, one of the ways to deal with it is go do what Jesus says. Your doubts may not go away, but they get a lot smaller. Um, they really do. 888-528-2557 is the number. Sam, welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, Sam? Hey, I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm good. What's on your mind today? Yeah, so, um, you know, you were talking about uh, doubt and kind of conflicts of faith. Um I was molested by my priest as a kid, mm. and that's kind of caused a lot of uh, conflicts of faith. What, what does God make of this? All right, uh, Sam, I think we had to drop your call there, but um, hopefully uh, I can answer your question this way. Um, and um, you said that you were uh, molested as a priest or when uh, 
uh, by a priest and uh, a lot of the stuff with Epstein in the world. And I didn't get the rest of your comment. Um, I think there's a lot of people, first of all, who are in your position. And there are a lot of people who um, were molested by, you know, a priest or a pastor or another religious figure or a figure or somebody who's an authority, somebody who shouldn't have been doing that. Um, And we're seeing that increase throughout our culture, I think. I think it's, you know, some people would say, no, it's just being reported more. And that's possible because of the different media and maybe people are more comfortable coming forward with it. Um, What is... Um, so let me, let me answer it this way. What you have to do with, when it comes to faith is realize something that in Christianity, Christianity assumes and teaches rightly that all people have, are, fall short of the glory of God. That any church you go to, any pastor, none of these people are God. None of these people are perfect. All of them are, are fallen. And what happened to you was evil. What happened to you and what's happened to an awful lot of other people um, is evil. And it's, I think, extra evil that it's happening in the church. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I didn't get to the rest of your comment, but I've spoken with a lot of people who are in your situation. And, you know, one of the things I think you have to do is a couple of things. Number one, in your heart, you have to uh, acknowledge that it's okay to acknowledge that you've been hurt that what happened to you was evil, and it should not have happened. I think you also should know that God holds everybody accountable. Hopefully, in your case, the authorities are holding whoever this was accountable, right? You want justice for people in this world uh, as, as well as the next, and hopefully that's happening. But even if that isn't, you know, Jesus is going to have everybody before him in front of that throne, that's going to be there. And for you, um, I didn't get to your, you know, the serious thing that maybe you were going to say that was causing your doubt. But you have to take your your feelings to Jesus Christ, not to some pastor, not even just to some guy on the radio. You have to go to Jesus Christ and you have to ask yourself this question. Did Jesus Christ die on the cross for my sins and the sins of the world? And was he raised from the grave. If he was, then you can start to build your hope there. If Jesus came up out of the grave, he defeated death. Death is the penalty for evil, for sin. If Jesus is who he said he was, you have hope. If Jesus is who he said he was, then you have truth. And that truth is not something that is always upheld by the church. The church is an institution. The church is something that is, um, in, in this sense, a, a, when we're talking about uh, the Catholic Church or other denominations, you know, the Southern Baptists are getting hit by, uh, they had their own internal investigation that, up, up, uh, that showed everybody an awful lot of terrible charges. And then the Department of Justice is going after the Southern Baptists right now. I don't know where that's going to go, but there's very serious things happening in institutional religion. And I think some of it is because it has moved away from what being a Christian is. See, the church biblically is not a building or an address. It's a gathering. The church biblically is people who are committed to Christ, who know their sins are forgiven, who gather together to let other people know. And you got to follow Jesus. 
churches and gatherings, we need to be aware of the fact that we have sinners who are coming and we want people who are sinners to come because everybody's a sinner, but we also need to be right. I mean, if you, if you have a church and you have a kid's ministry, you should be doing background checks. They're relatively easy to do. They don't cost very much, but you should do a background check on everybody, every single person. And even people that you think are just trustworthy because you don't know. Like, Sean, your priest should have been trustworthy, but he wasn't. And maybe a background check wouldn't have shown that. But today there's an awful lot that's there. We do it. And uh, we used to say, hey, you know what? Um, In God we trust, all others are screened. That's what we said. And if people got offended by that, it's sort of like, you know what? We have to protect the little ones. We have to protect each other. As a, as a pastor, you know, all these years, you know, there's, a, there's an interesting controversy. You're listening to Southern California Live, by the way. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Uh, our theme is doubt. It's open line Friday. You can talk about whatever you'd like, but we're talking about uh, doubt. Um, there is... For, for pastors, pastors have to protect themselves and they have to see themselves as, as fallible, that we can fail. That as much as I trust myself, as much as I trust myself to not abuse a kid or as much as I trust myself to not have an affair with my wife or to do something inappropriate with somebody that I'm counseling, as much as I do trust myself for that, it is wise to put protections up, right? So I would have rules. I'm not going to counsel um and originally it was I wouldn't counsel women uh, without somebody else around, you know, if I was alone in the building or if it was after hours. Eventually it was just anybody because you just don't know today who's going to accuse you of what. Um, and part of that is to protect me from people who might falsely accuse. But you have to acknowledge that it's also to protect yourself from going down a path of temptation that can easily go that any one of us can fall to. And see, and that's the thing is that we have to be a little bit self-skeptical to say, yes, I think that I'm strong in my faith and I'm never cheating on my wife and I'm never going to abuse kids and blah, 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 blah. But if you do, if you get arrogant about it, if you're so self-certain about it that you never would, there's something that you would do. There's some place where the temptation is going to be overwhelming in your life. And when you are working with people and with kids and when you're working as a leader, um, it will wreck their life and yours. If you go down that road, you got to protect yourself. I'm going to take a break and we'll come back for your calls. It's open line Friday and uh, we'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about as soon as we get back from the break. This is Scott Furrow, your host, Southern California Live. The Friday edition will continue. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. Great to be with you today. It is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is that is on your mind. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Let's go to uh, Ted in Los Angeles. Ted, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, Scott. Ted, once again, City of the Angels. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to talk about, you know, my father, you know, and his, uh, my uncle, you know, they, they went to the, the circus for, you know, the summer. And uh, it happened to both of them. So it isn't just in the church. It's a sick world. They were, you're talking about, father, hold on a second, before the break, uh, we had a caller who uh, talked about being abused in the church, and that was affecting his faith with, with doubt. Correct. And you're, you're pointing out that it's not just the church. Correct. 
and it happened to my father when he was in the circus, uh, you know, as a young kid, and happened to my uncle, you know, and they were both there for the summer. So it's a very sick world, and one thing I could say is my father, you know, basically said, you know, the cruelest thing you can do is, is take advantage of somebody who can't defend themselves. And he still went on, you know, like I told you in the past, you know, he scored the highest on the proficiency test uh, in the military during the Korean War, and and he uh, amaz- he raised four kids, and uh, he's an amazing man. I mean, he hired the very very first African American at Hughes Helicopters in Culver City, and he told me, Ted, I hire on ability. He said the man had all the credentials I needed, and he never looked at anybody as their color. So, and he's just an amazing man, an amazing teacher. Mm-hmm. And I also asked him, I said, Dad, how did you stay so loyal to Mom? Because he was married 63 years. And he he just said really quick, Ted, we had an agreement. So he's very simple-minded, you know, born in a log cabin with a midwife, you know, and uh, no doctor. I mean, just uh, northern Minnesota, outhouses, and just uh, real basic people, but very, very intelligent and uh he just gave a lot of love, yeah. uh, and I, I love him for the way he raised us. All right. Well, so Ted, I just want to share that, and, yeah. I, and my prayers go out to anybody that has gone through that, and only Jesus can relieve us of, of all that. We've all been hurt in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, we have. All right, Ted, uh, thank you for calling and sharing that. And, you know, I hope that is encouraging to people out there who have just gone through horrific things, and that is that is part of the reality of the world that we are in, that you went through that. And earlier I was talking about how part of the philosophy of the day, which is causing a lot of the problems, is to say that that whatever it is you believe to be true is just as valuable or more valuable than whatever is something that you can uh, investigate as being true. And then that's how you get to the idea that there's different truths. And, you know, the solution to this abuse that we're having, you know, we've got these questions in the world today about gender and, or uh, maybe it's crime. You know, what's going to happen? We've seen these uh, – I don't know if you saw this uh, 7-Eleven that was uh, ransacked, I think is probably the right word here in Los Angeles a couple of days ago. And what happened is that there was a, a street takeover outside. You know what this is? This is happening all across the country, actually. It is happening um, in so many different places. What's happening is people will gather together at an intersection. Kids will organize it, uh, typically kids. It's a street takeover is what it's called. And they're using social media to get everybody together. And they'll go to an intersection somewhere and gather around and watch cars do donuts, basically, in the intersection. And it's a flash mob, and this happens. Sometimes there's hundreds of people show up in several cars uh, and it's super dangerous. A couple of people were killed recently, I think in June in Compton, because the car smashed into them. And if you go through an intersection, you'll see this all across whatever city you're in. You will see these skid marks in the middle of the the intersection and circular ones, right? Because people are doing donuts. Well, this is happening all the time. And apparently one of these flash mobs came and they did the little street thing. And then everybody just went into a 7-Eleven and just took everything out of there. And we're seeing this more and more often. And it's one of the controversies in Los Angeles with whether or not the district attorney is going to prosecute people. Uh, People are out there saying all these people are going to be prosecuted. It's another weird thing about social media, right? It's like people are on video everywhere, either because of security cameras or because everybody's got a camera. There's hardly anything you can do in this world today that's not filmed. 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, every you know, car accidents that we see on the freeway, it's on somebody's dash cam or things that happen in the neighborhood. Somebody's got the doorbell that's recording what's going on across the street. And uh, people can be seen on this videotape. And the question's going to be, well, are these people going to be charged or not? And it is going on more and more. What is the solution? See, and if you live in a world where you can question everything, where even crime is something that is debatable. Is it wrong for people who are in need to steal? Is it wrong for people who just perceive that they are in need uh, to steal? I was uh, watching this news report and somebody was talking about being poor. And um, and in their, their poverty, they have annual passes to an amusement park. You know, what I thought was, well, I don't think you're poor. I give you, you've, you've got annual passes. You know, maybe you can't eat because you went and got those. That might be part of the problem. But if you can afford those in the first place, you must not see yourself as too poor. I don't have those. You know, I suppose I'd like them, but I can't do it. Um, but I still wouldn't say that I'm poor. But if you have those, you're probably not poor. Or maybe you're poor because you got those. And you're poor because you put it on your credit card and they charge you monthly now. And uh, you're you're paying interest on it. So if it costs you know two hundred bucks for your two hundred fifty dollars for your annual pass, you're paying interest. You're you're probably paying what three hundred and fifty four hundred dollars for that. Um, is it really worth it? Anyway, I thought to myself, this person kept calling herself poor. I'm going, I don't think you're poor. Um, and I suppose that's relative. And I don't know her situation, so um, there's stuff going on. The solution to this is having an actual source of morality that is true. Are there men and women biologically? Is this true? Um, The World Boxing Council today banned transgender women from competing against um, biological females, meaning a man who has identifying now as a woman cannot participate in women's boxing. And, you know, when you read this article, now that's to seem obvious. It should seem obvious that a man, biologically speaking, is built in such a way that even if he started to take hormones and the testosterone is lower and all of this, that if he's gone through puberty, then he's just a much bigger dude. And we have seen this in in sports, in the kickboxing and the wrestling, where a man who now identifies as a woman is now in the woman's sport and beating her up and that's what's was going on in boxing and they're banning this and they have to dance around it and they say the wbc advocates for two equally skilled and matched athletes competing in a cage or on a ring or on a level playing field and to keep matches fair competitive entertaining and most importantly safe for all combatants at the present level of scientific knowledge I think is an interesting statement. The WBC consensus is that allowing transgender athletes to compete raises serious health and safety concerns. Now, this is why. Uh, the reason why is because the masculine uh, and bony structure of a male is overpowering somebody, to somebody who is biologically female. And Combat sports, they say, such as boxing, are unique since every punch thrown at the head is thrown with the intention of winning by causing a knockout, which is nothing but a concussive head injury. Um, and this, these sports carry an exceedingly high risk. It's shocking to me that this is even something we have to discuss. I don't want to watch a guy beat up a woman on TV 
or in person or anywhere. How did we get here? We got here because we have rejected truth. We've got here because we have come to a place where truth is whatever it is I think it is. And that's what's being taught to kids. That's what's being taught in our schools. That's what's being taught elsewhere. And it's being taught in in churches, or it's not being untaught in churches, or we're not really helping people figure out how to deal with it. You know, in this conversation today, we've talked some about abuse, and some of you have just dealt with some terrible things. There are extraordinarily difficult things that many of you are going through. We should not pretend that that's okay. See, because that's the next thing that's coming in all of this. And I'm not being one of these conspiracy theorist type of people. You will read today about minor attracted persons. And it's the idea that that priest maybe who abused the caller who called sooner or the pastor who's doing it uh, to kids or the circus people that Ted was talking about a few minutes ago who's abusing the little kids. What's coming next is a justification of that behavior. I'm telling you. You can Google it. Don't Google it with your kids around. Probably bad stuff. Just don't Google it. It's called minor attracted person. And it is justifying pedophilia. And this is not some fringe thing. This is coming out of mainstream psychological teaching today. And what's happening is that what we're calling abuse today, this abuse that's happened in the churches, this abuse that has happened at the circus, the abuse that's happened in daycares or other places, What's happening is because of the moral philosophy of the day, we are not long from calling it normal behavior, or at least acceptable behavior. And all of you who are hurt by it, you should be hurt by it because it's wicked what happened to you. Don't bend on this. People do wicked things. The reason Jesus had to die, the reason death is involved, the reason there's blood the reason there is so much judgment, the reason there is hell is because the wickedness of this world is terrible. My friends, this is why we have a Savior. This is why he's the Savior, Jesus Christ. He saves from the wickedness of all of this and death. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're struggling with doubt, we can keep talking about it as we get to the next hour, but if you're struggling with doubt, focus on Jesus Christ. Right there is your hope and your answer. It's always focusing on Jesus, not an institution, not a pastor, not a book, not a radio host. Focus on Jesus Christ. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It's open phone Friday. We'll take your calls on any subject. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The Friday edition of SoCal Live will continue. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 